0: broken crayons
1: broken crayons broken
0: crayons still
1: color this is the broken crayons still color podcast with your host Shelly Hitz each episode contains an inspiring story of hope and healing in Christ many times what we see as our biggest regrets failures and mistakes become what God uses the most in our lives God is able to transform our brokenness into something more beautiful than we can even imagine He takes our mess and creates a masterpiece. You see, Broken Crayons Still Color.
2: Welcome back to the Broken Crayons Still Color podcast. I'm your host, Shelley Hitz, and today's guest is Anita Wilson. Welcome, Anita. Hi, thank you. Anita Wilson also writes under the pen name, Alias in Town, which is an anagram of her name, Anita Wilson. But purposefully, she chose that because she believes that in every town, there are alias people suffering from chronic illness, depression, suicidal thoughts, or addiction. Anita is one of those people, and she's a Christian in recovery for addiction and a suicide attempt, living with chronic illness. But she has the audacity to say, I am well. And so she will share her story on today's podcast. So as we jump into your story, Anita, tell us just a little bit of what the broken crayons in your life looked like. I feel like I, if I look at my life
0: overall, I feel like I was, was given just a really big blessing. I was given like the big box of 96. Yeah, <laughs> Great. <laughs> But there, there was some sexual molestation as a child and that broke some crayons. Yeah. And I was a pastor kids, pastor's kid, So I lived with the expectations of that. Oh, wow. And that broke some crayons when I had a teen pregnancy. Okay. Um, yeah. But more and more crayons started breaking when I was in my mid thirties, I was diagnosed with a rare chronic illness. And um, over time that illness became worse And you could just hear the crayons snapping as I grew frustrated over all the changes in my life. Um, There were unanswered prayers for healing, the grief of losing my career, uh, having to resign from a leadership position in my church. It just all, as the illness progressed, it all just kind of stripped all that away. And I also felt I was breaking the crayons of my children because I couldn't be the mom they needed to be. My husband, he was losing a life partner. So 12 years later, I had probably more broken crayons than I had whole crayons, and I completely gave up. I I just came to the point where I just gave up completely on life. Wow. So what would you say was your lowest point during all of that? I got to the point where I was self-harming. I was cutting, and then I attempted suicide. Oh, wow. And... I got to that point it's it's kind of a strange story that my illness is was rare is rare and I had an online support group that I was working with yeah and one of the one of the people in the support group suggested to me when I was having a particularly bad day of vertigo that I take a shot of alcohol for it because oh. alcohol is a suppressant of the nervous system hmm. so I tried it and it worked And so I thought, well, I'll just start using this as part of my medication. But the problem is alcohol's tolerance, you know, one shot wasn't enough and then two shots and then three shots. And I was using it to escape my reality more than I was using it for anything else. And I got to the point where I was secretly drinking a whole liter of 100 proof alcohol every day. Wow. Yeah, it was bad. And I was also abusing pain pills with that. And so I just got to the point that the depression became so great. I lost myself in it. And I actually got to the point where my depression deepened to the point where it was disassociative depressive disorder. So I was disassociating from reality. And along that same time frame, I was also ignoring all of my spiritual disciplines that I should have been paying attention to as a Christian. I I had quit praying because I was just mad at God because I wasn't healed. And I had quit scripture study and I had stopped attending church. And I just had put myself into a place that I just became completely lost. And um, the morning that I woke up, That suicide attempt was, um, I took a whole bottle of sleeping pills. I had just got the prescription refilled. I took that entire bottle of sleeping pills with about a half a liter of alcohol. And I should not be here today. I, I don't know how I survived it. And when I woke up the next morning, I was very angry. I was mad that I was still alive, that I was still a mess. I was still sick. I was still hopeless. I was still helpless. I was just still here. And, but when I woke up from that, my family was ready. They had, my family and friends were sitting in my living room and they were there to do an intervention for me. And when I walked into that room, I felt like I walked into this wall of love. Hmm. And I'm, I don't remember any of the words that were said to me during that intervention, but I remember the love in the room. Yeah. And you know, love is a language that even an alcohol-soaked brain can understand, and I decided that I would choose life for them, and I would choose life for me, and um, I went into treatment right right then.
2: Wow.: Yeah, so your lowest point is, almost sounds like it became part of your turning point, too. Would you say that's true? I would. It,
0: it was true. I became a turning point at the beginning of it, and there were two specific things that helped me as well. The first one was what I I believe to be a miracle. I was in the psychiatric hospital, and um, my mind was just not functioning correctly. I couldn't understand conversations. I couldn't put thoughts together, but miraculously, I was hearing clear as day in my mind scriptures being flooded to me just over and over and over again and the words of hymns they would be just flooding my mind and those were clear and concise thoughts yeah and I remember I would um, go into the bathroom at the hospital and I would sit on the floor in front of the toilet because I didn't want to wake up my roommate I didn't want to turn the light on to disturb her and I just wrote in my journal over and over those scriptures and so that was one and one part of the turning point and another one was when i got home from the hospital i took out about 10 years worth of journal entries and i started going through them and realized that i had a real problem with surrender oh wow yeah i had taken back whenever i got into into sticky situations i would take back control instead of letting god work through the problem for me and as i saw that pattern emerging from my journal entries I just prayed. I prayed for forgiveness. I prayed that God would help me and teach me to surrender. And I would say that that was probably the biggest turning point was that point, that prayer. When I said, I need to surrender. I need to surrender Mm -hmm. my illness. I need to stop fighting it. I need to surrender to whatever God's will is for me, whatever it is. Yeah. And I just accept it and surrender to it. Yeah. And I
2: I think it's um, interesting because you said you went back and looked through your journals and you found common threads, you know, you found that common theme of what it was. And that's where journaling can be so helpful is we can look back. And and not only that, we can also see the victories and be reminded of what God said or did in different times. But just that whole process of surrender, like my mom is a Christian counselor. And she's like, Shelly, almost every turning point in our lives starts with surrender. You know, and it's, it's just so powerful when we realize, like I told someone the other day, it's like, I had to, you know, recognize and resign from trying to be general manager of the universe. You know, like (laughs) I'm not in control. I never was. And being just willing to recognize that and Mm -hmm. start surrendering that to the Lord. And so those were some, some really big turning points for you. And how long have you been in recovery now from that point? That happened in 2012. So
0: six okay. years ago, six okay.
1: years.
0: And it, it took months to, to recover for my brain to heal
1: and sure. my body
0: to heal. And, you know, with a suicide attempt, there are relationship healing that needs to, that needs yes. as well. And all of that took, it took months and months, honestly, and a lot of hard work, a lot of surrender. Yes. God wanted from me and humility to be able to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for, for the bad choices that I made. I'm sorry for allowing those choices to take me so deep into the depressive state that I was in. And my friends and family have been so gracious. In a situation like that, there could be, you could get a lot of scolding, and but that's not what happened. I received support and love and from my church too.
2: Yeah. And that's such a gift. And I love how you said, like when you woke up from the suicide attempt that you don't remember the words, but you remember the love and that's, you know, people will remember that if someone's listening right now and has family members that are struggling or friends that are in a hard time, that's what they'll remember is your support and your love and your care for them in the middle of it. And a lot of times We just need someone to listen and to hug us and to just be there. And it's not necessarily like we're not expecting others to fix it or to, you know. I mean, there are times that people can give godly advice and wisdom, but a lot of times it's that that presence and that love. Presence, yes.
0: Presence of another person who loves you and is just willing to listen to you to be your authentic self. Right. Times we wear so many masks in our life. And the chance to be authentic and real with someone who is going to be accepting and loving of you is such a gift.
2: It is. Now, you know, six years past that turning point and a lot of it began with some of your chronic illness and, you know, just being in that, where are you at with your, your chronic illness today? My chronic illness remains. I,
0: I still have two to three days a week where I am completely out of commission and, um, my chronic, my physical state has not changed. Wow. But I say that I am well because my physical state doesn't define how I, what my, my state of being is. My physical state is just that. But my spiritual and emotional health comes from the source of my life, which is Jesus Christ.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And nothing can separate me from that. Not height, nor depth, nor powers on heaven or earth. Nothing. Amen. And I can say I am well, because what the core of me, the thing that really makes me who I am is well, regardless of my physical. Mm,
2: Yeah, I love that. And you have a saying, live well, choose life. (laughs) And you have chosen to live well despite the circumstances and to choose life. In the midst of hardships and darkness and many times our circumstances may not change but we can still change in the midst yes. of those circumstances so if you could give one piece of advice or encouragement to others who may be in the situation or who may have friends and family in a situation similar to yours what would it be
0: I yeah I would I would go back to my mantra live well choose life there's a scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 30, in the verse, verse 19 and 20 that says, now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life. And I would just submit to you that we choose life or death every day and even the small decisions that we make. Those small decisions vector us toward life or death. For example, you know, you could turn off your television and choose to go for a walk instead seems like a minuscule thing, but that's really choosing life. It's a small decision. Yeah. And when I started drinking to Force Way Vertigo, I was choosing death. So right. I would say choose life in the everyday decisions that you make and you stay on that narrow path.
2: Yeah, that's it's hard. I mean, it's the day-to-day, but I've read several books, and one was called The Compound Effect, and there was another one. But they talk about those small Seemingly insignificant decisions you make over time and they gave an example of like if you just ate a hundred extra calories a day or Exercised and burned an, an extra hundred calories a day. Those two decisions are just very close You know, they're not it's not a huge huge difference But over time the one is going to cause you to really gain a bunch of weight and the other is going to help keep you healthy And it's just that small, small decision every single day, uh, consistently over time. And I think, you know, one of the things you said early on was when you were in that dark place, you stopped reading the Bible, you stopped going to church, you stopped doing the things that you knew would help. And sometimes we're just in those moments. We're just in those times that it's just, it's really, really hard, but keeping those, those habits and those relationships that give us life, it is, it's so important. Even when we don't feel like it, right? (laughs) (laughs) Even when you don't
0: feel like it, you have to do it. And um, that was one of the things that I learned in therapy is that the coping mechanisms that you learn that work for you, you can't base that on whether or not you feel like doing it. You have to choose to do those things and incorporate those as disciplines into your life so that you can manage the stresses and the things that, that cause you to go downhill. Those spiritual disciplines... And other disciplines that help with stressors. For me, it's art. It's probably one yeah. the biggest things I do to release stress is, is art. I paint and, and draw. And I do Bible journaling, which is like the in thing right now. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm not sure if I answered the question or not. But just staying the course with that and, and being specific about the things that you need to do, whether you feel like it or not. (laughs) Yeah, that's good.
2: Yeah, art has really been just such a big integral part of my life the last few years of just providing self care. And it is such a great option. You know, music is great exercise. There's so many different things that can provide that for us. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. And if our listeners connected with you or want to know more about you, how how do they find you online? Okay, I have
0: a website called aliasintown.com, and I've written a book called Well, which tells my story, and it actually has the journal entries that I talked about earlier are in that book, along with original artwork and some short essays that that tell the story, and that can be found on amazon.com, you just search for Well Alias in Town, you'll find it. And if you want to email me, that would be great too. It's Anita Marie Wilson at aliasintown.com. I would love to hear from people anytime I can share my story about what God has done in my life. Is an opportunity.
2: Yes, that's awesome. And I hope those of you that have connected with Anita and her story, reach out to her and, and um, read her book and just be encouraged by her testimony. And thank you so much, Anita, for sharing your life. And your testimony is just another example of how God can turn our messes into masterpieces. Mm-hmm. And now you're sharing that story and you're impacting so many People more than you probably even know with that story of hope. So thank you so much for sharing today. Oh, you're very welcome. It was my privilege. And I I just appreciate all of you that are listening for joining us today as well. If you or someone you know has a powerful story to share, I would love to have you on the show. You can apply to be featured on the podcast at ShellyHits.com forward slash story. And I will see you next time. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you for listening to the Broken Crayons Still Color Podcast. We have a gift for you. Download Shelley's hand-drawn adult coloring pages, as well as printable scripture cards, and all the transcripts from this podcast at www.brokencrayonsbook.com. If today's story inspired you, please share it with a friend and leave us a comment on iTunes. We love hearing from you, and your encouragement means the world to us. In closing, God is the artist, and our lives are his canvas. What will you allow him to create from the broken pieces in your life? When you are in Christ, you are his masterpiece. I am a masterpiece. I am a masterpiece.